Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Connor Whiteley, bringing you with psychology news, articles and other interesting psychology related articles. You where I can find the podcast notes and more interesting psychology related things and you can get your free 8 psychology book box set at connorwhiteley.net. Now let's get on to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 95 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Colin Whiteley. And it is Friday the 28th of May 2021 as I record this, so it's so great to be back live. And as today's episode is on, the truth about screen time or something around like that area. So this is a great developmental psychology topic. I feel like it's really important because we do bust a lot of myths in this podcast episode. And we also go into some nitty gritty of the more modern research findings. So this is a really good episode, hopefully you will really enjoy it too. So moving on to the psychology news section, so moving from the British Psychological Society Research Digest, and there are actually some quite funny ones here. Okay, so the first one is, cats like to sit in squares, even ones that are really optical illusions. This one sounds quite weird. The world is not exactly sure of videos of a cute cat up to, <laughs> up to strange antics, but one particular set of videos collected by cat owners during the COVID-19 lockdown there was something genuinely interesting. A famous optical illusion that fools us also gets the cats. The Citizen Science Project in which cats were experimented on in their own homes show that they too are tricked by Kansius squares. Sorry if I've completely butted that. An illusion that suggests the presence of a square that doesn't actually exist. And then the article goes on to say... The study provides further evidence that animals experience all kinds of illusions, but it also gives further insight into cat cognition, which has little attention compared to that of dogs. Quite why not isn't clear. However, given the useful, if limited, data on from this new study, the researchers write, open quote, the use of citizen science as a precursor to in-lab investigations of cat cognition could greatly help bridge the divide. And I think this is actually quite a good study because I do for, oh, and then I've just scrolled up on the article a bit more and it actually shows what um, this like, optical illusion is. And yeah, it's a really like, common one. I don't know how to describe it, but I think though that this is really important because as we know, psychology can get a lot of information from using animal studies and looking at the cognition and other mental processes used by other animals. So I think it's a really interesting idea that perhaps if we start to look at these different cognition processes like these optical illusions in other animals, then we might be able to learn newer stuff about our own cognition in the process. So the next one is, drug researchers who admit to using psychedelics are seen as having less integrity. In the past few years, psychologists and neuroscientists have conducted a large number of studies into the effects of psychedelic drugs. Some have sought to better understand the effects of the drugs in the brain, whilst others have investigated the potentials for substances like cyclobin and LSD to treat depression and other mental health conditions. This work obviously requires tactful communication on the part of the researchers. After all, they don't want to alienate a public who might be um, at best ambivalent to but the use of currently illegal drugs in research or mental health settings. A research paper highlights one thing research shouldn't do, admit to using psychedelic substances themselves. The team finds that researchers who make such a disclosure may be seen by the public in having less integrity. And this I do understand because... Because there are so many different angles, and actually, I might be doing, I might do a reflection on this. 
In fact, yes, I think I'll add that to the list, but more on that in the personal update. Um, so there are quite a few different angles that you can actually come at this from. And the main one is, if you use psychedelic drugs yourself, then people could easily say that you've got a bias. If someone's being really harsher, then they might say, oh yeah, but of course your studies are going to do that because you want to feel good about yourself and you, and yes, and all of those type of like little things. And which is a real shame, but to be honest, I think I, but I also think I would come under that bias because if I know that someone uses uh, drugs, drugs, then I'm much more less likely to like that person. Or, but yes, or cite them as a credible source. So I'm not quite sure if this is a good research finding or a bad research finding. I think this is something we just need to be aware of, and um, this is really just a like awareness one. Okay, so we will do one more. So we feel more empathy towards citizens of countries with good popular leaders. We could all name groups of people who are we know to be suffering right now. Some in distant countries, some in our own. Research shows that we feel less empathy for people in other countries and, and so we're less likely to support them by protesting, say, or donating money. But a new study suggests that leaders who is perceived as good and popular at home elicits more empathy and even greater tangible help for their struggling citizens. And this, I don't really want to get too political in this because I can think of examples um, in the West where you could potentially apply these results, but my lesser political answer is I can is that this I can understand from what people say about Africa because some people and I and I honestly think this is this is quite frankly disgusting but some people say about Africa well Africa without all their water shortages all of their problems is at their own fault because they don't have good leaders and I'm sort of thinking I understand where you're coming from some African leaders could be considered tyrannical or or not very effective but how does that mean that the citizens aren't good or the citizens don't deserve the help because at the end of the day they are still innocent well innocent people so i do understand this and i really could go into depth in this but uh, but then we get into some quite uncomfortable political territory for all of you uh, listeners so but that's enough psychology news section let's move on to the personal update So moving on to the personal update. So it's so great to be back podcasting and I really have missed this. I've really missed talking like at all of you because I've been focusing on my exams, which I think they've gone rather well overall and it, some of them were quite interesting. But I didn't know that some of them were open book, so that was like quite interesting though. Right? So because because I've not been able to do a proper personal update for two weeks, there are just some quick things that I want to like run through though because I've been working on the different like, business pieces that were. For example... The podcast is finally being uploaded to YouTube. I've been uploading three or four videos a day um, for the past like few weeks. Weeks. So I'm now. Um, yeah. So like I started on episode twenty-two, and I think right now as I'm recording this, I'm uploading episode sixty-eight or sixty-nine, like one of the two. So so like I'm slowly like uploading the a podcast though well the a podcast of like just so we can tap into like that audience like if you're listening to this on YouTube in the far future then hello and welcome 
but it will be quite a while before the YouTube audience gets the more regular stuff. Well, because of the people who listen to this on the podcast apps, then they get to listen to this every Monday when it goes out. But the YouTube audience, I'm sort of like staggering that. So over time, they will they will end up getting the Monday ones, like when it goes out to all of them. But because my internet's a bit slow, I sort of want to like, um, stagger this out for a like little bit. But something else that I've been working on is that the personality psychology book. So I've been working on this for a little um, while now and I'm starting to get closer to the end and I'm loving this book. It's just wow. I am. I really didn't know how passionate I was about personality psychology or how much I was enjoying it because, yes, because I was writing two sections up the other week and never before in, in my books or in my personal life do I use the word epic. I do not use that word in the slightest unless it's talking talking about like epic fantasy, then that's like something else. But I had to call these two sections epic because they were so interesting. I was so passionate about it. I loved writing up those sections. So this book I'm really, really enjoying though. And also it's really quite voicey. Voicey, it's like you still get all the great psychology facts, but there's also a lot of me relating it to everyday life and all of my books do include that, but it really like there is, for example, the new cognitive psychology book that's available on a pre-order now. That's got a bit less of my voice in it because it's cognition, it's mental processes. You can't you can't necessarily relate that to everyday life, and you can't have like some like and you also kind of um, funnier stories, even though there are some quite hilarious stories <laughs> in that book. So it's always like worth a read. Well, but so overall I'm almost done I'm really enjoying it hopefully you guys are going to love it because I'm seriously loving this book though and I thought there's only two more things that I want to mention so I know that quite a lot of university students like listen to the podcast and like me because you want to learn about psychology and everything though but something I was actually really impressed with and I didn't know this like myself though or myself though but as some of my um, exams were open book meaning that you can have your materials in I grabbed two or three of my books depending on the exam and I was just like flicking through them because my books contained all the studies that I need and also because they were explained in a really easy to understand way it was really easy to like write about that and include in my essays say to anything so if you just wanted a quick um, tip possibly for your like exams then my books are helpful when it comes to exams and university co- coursework which I'm always really pleased to like find out though and then the only other thing that I wanted to mention was during the last two weeks I got some amazing feedback from one of my university lecturers that because I do a clinical psychology degree basically because I do a normal psychology degree but then my degree has a sort of like specialized area because my degree focuses more on the clinical psychology bit but so there was like meaning that this year I needed to keep a reflective lock where I like to be reflected on like clinical psychology and different topics that are within clinical psychology and I like read out all of those entries um in the last 10 or so many episodes there just so I could like use the uh, content there so I got this feedback back and it was so positive and it was basically saying that this is a great you show great knowledge and everything which I was so pleased with simply because because as I've already said most of you have been to university most of you are university psychology students you know what university feedback looks like it can be quite brutal sometimes and also sometimes it can just be so nitpicky so to get 100% positive feedback I was really pleased with but the entire reason why I'm mentioning this 
on the Psychology World podcast is because the last comment the lecturer said was, I really think you should keep doing a reflective log because you're obviously good at it and that your reflections are really interesting. So I am. And the plan is, is that is that after I've done so many thousands of words of reflections, I'm actually going to start turning them into books. Because when I did the reflection episodes, tons of you emailed me saying that how much of that you like enjoyed them. So I'm really enjoying like, writing these three reflections up because so far I've done about six and some of them are just great topics and I just get... Un- and the reason why I like reflecting though is that as much as I love writing the psychology books, they're fact-based, but these are reflections get to be my own thoughts and my own feelings, which really, really suits me, and I just love this, so I will keep you posted, and yeah, so like, there will be some later books coming out this year, maybe next year, or a time with these reflections, so look forward to that. As always, you can always email me, connorwhitely at connorwhitely.net, you can always leave a comment at the show notes at connorwhitely.net forward slash podcast, and you can always tweet me on Twitter at sci-fi-whitely. And today's episode has been sponsored by Developmental Psychology, a guide to developmental and child psychology, which is the brand new edition. came out April 2021. I'm amazed and I'm so grateful that it sold so many copies or, yes, like all ready. People really do enjoy this book, so hopefully you will too. So but this is a great book that goes in so much depth, developmental psychology, because it explains so much about the theory, adolescence, attachment theory, um, how well the media affects it, how, how pro-social behaviour develops in children. So it goes into so much depth. It covers so much in developmental psychology. So it's really easy to understand. There's a lot of like me in it. So it's a really like fun, easy to understand book. <laughs> this is not a boring textbook that you usually read in psychology. And also, though, it does fit in with today's episode because the children and the media section really is a great addition to today's episode. Okay, so that is Developmental Psychology, a guide to developmental and child psychology, available from all major ebook retailers. And you can order the print book, large print and hardback versions from Amazon or your local bookstore. And you can get the ebook directly from me at payhip.com forward slash Connor Whiteley. And you can also get the ebooks and print books at your local library if you request them. So that's enough of the personal update. Let's move on to the content part of today's episode. So in today's episode of the Psychology World podcast, we will be looking at what parents should know about screen time. This is a great episode. I I really, really enjoyed writing this and I did sort of have to chop it down because there was so much I could have written about this topic. So it's really fun, really enjoyable. So hopefully you will really enjoy it too. But as always, nothing on this podcast or connorwiley.net is ever any sort of parenting, professional, medical or any sort of professional advice. So what parents should know about screen time. So as a sort of little like prelude for today's podcast episode, I did just I did just want to say that the content of this episode is not necessarily the whole truth, because of course, as we know in psychology, there is no such thing as scientific truth. It's just yes, mainly because we can never be a hundred percent certain of anything. But this article does have research support, and if you go to kind of widely done it forward slash podcast find today's episode then you'll see the references at the bottom of the article but as a people interested in psychology and and some of you are psychologists it's always really important for us to have modern attitudes and update our opinions and attitudes when new research comes to light otherwise we do risk falling prey to the media bias and other 
and other undesirable outcomes. For example, the type of headlines that say technology is destroying families. And also that I will just say straight up that there are a lot of caveats to today's episode. And I do understand these sort of headlines because these were the attitudes in the 70s and the 80s. But I think it's pretty fair to say after the pandemic and after us not being able to see people for a year and the past 14 months as I record this, technology has saved a lot of like families that were because phones that we've been able to text and call people and that we've been able to um, stay in a contact with different people. So the first thing that parents should know about screen time is generally screen time does not affect well-being and yes i know that's quite a massive shock but i will get into the caveats and the nitty-gritty in a minute so in the grand scheme of things things for most children screen time does not affect their well-being positively or negatively and the reference for that is delaney and joanna's 2020 and this can mainly be down to the herdenemic treadmill and this proposes that people's levels of happiness soon return to normal after a happy event and another reason for this is that because we are very resilient, well, we are very resilient creatures, us as humans. And if you go back to, I think it's around episode 51, 52, there, there were tons of like resilient podcast episodes because I've been like looking over the podcast episodes as I've been uploading them to YouTube. <laughs> also, our resilience is partially explained by the hedonic treadmill. And also though, if we consider the horrors that our past generations have had to deal with, for example, wars, famines, other situations, I think we can all agree that screen time really does not seem much of a threat to our well-being. But if we do dive into the developmental psychology a bit further, yes, we do know that excessive levels of our screen time is associated with depression, anxiety, and other mental health difficulties. But on the other hand, for other children, Screen time means that they can live in a more connected and vibrant world because the screen and media, for example, like laptops, phones, internet, etc., means that this can allow children to experience stuff that they don't usually get access to in the real world. For example, watching videos or photos from faraway countries or talking to the friends that they don't get to see too often, which was a massive lifesaver for me a few years ago right? because I had a friend and because of life, I couldn't see him or we couldn't spend time together. But thankfully, technology. Well, yeah, but thankfully technology allowed us to but of course there has to be a balance there absolutely has to be because of course if a children spend because if a child spends hours on uh, their screen and media then this can lead to fatigue because they're going to bed too late and then their school grades can fall because they aren't studying as well so of course balance is needed but if we return to the mental health aspect of it sometimes and this i was actually quite surprised at so sometimes children who seem to be suffering from the ill effects of screen and medium are actually using the screen media as a symptom of the possible con addition because the children can use the media to hide from their suffering. So in this case, the screen media is the symptom of the condition and not the cause, which I thought was really interesting. Meaning that as people interested in our psychology, we need to make sure that we don't focus our attention too much on the screen media as if we could be missing the real underlying difficulties and the causes. But the real point of this um, podcast episode is uh, is here because it looks at the uh, conflict of the screen media, the need for balance and good relationships. Personally, I really do recommend that you actually go to ConnorWhiteley.net for slash podcast and go on today's episode to look at the Psychology Today article that I've linked to at the bottom simply because, because it's actually really good and it also goes into a bit more depth in another section that I wasn't able to get to. Otherwise, this podcast episode would be a bit too long. 
but the spoiler alert is for solid we don't actually know how much screen time is a good or bad but the entire point of the podcast episode is sometimes parents are rightfully concerned well about their children so they might argue with them about the amount of time that they spend on other screens I completely support this. I think it's completely reasonable. I think if I had kids, I would definitely be the same. But if this argument turns into constant or chronic argument, then this topic can actually do its own harm and it can actually do a lot more harm than this uh, screen time can. Because uh, this argument can actually create a lot of a conflict leading to a possible strained relationship between the caregiver and the child. And also though, if the caregiver doesn't have a good relationship with the child and then they try to interpose rules, then this will result in the child rebelling because this is seen as unfair. And let's face it, I think we all know that from our adolescence. <laughs> if there's a healthy relationship, then the child is a lot more likely to follow these rules though. And I completely agree with that from my own adolescence. So what I'm trying to say is is that caregivers should try and focus on building a strong, healthy relationship with their child as this is a protective factor against mental health difficulties and parents do need to pick their battles and sometimes screen media is just not the best battle to pick. There are so many more important battles that I think parents should pick than screen media because screen media, to be honest, is impossible. But there are so many other battles that can actually do a lot more damage damage if they're not like snipped in at the butt. The thing that I want to wrap up saying is that there is no such thing as a perfect parent so please do not get yourself stressed out about this topic. Just do the best that you can, find a balance and develop a good healthy relationship with the child and just do the best you can as a parent. Of course I can't give too much of that because I'm not a parent so with this podcast episode I can only go so far but hopefully you've still really enjoyed it and hopefully you've still got tons of great information. So I really hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and also if you want to learn more about how screen media affects children then please get developmental psychology a guide to developmental and child psychology available on all major ebook retailers and you can get the paperback, hardback and large print versions from Amazon or your local bookstore. So, have a great day everyone, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see the show notes, then please go to connorwhitesley.net. And if you want a free Ada book psychology box set, then please go to connorwhitesley.net. Have a great day, and I'll see you next time.